Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corker Foundation for Mental Health. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of other people who do as well. We've learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame about their experiences makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. So we talk about mental health management techniques or tools for our toolboxes a lot. And there are a number of reasons for that. One is that we know it can help to be reminded that there are things we can do to help ourselves minimize the slide or to help climb out if we don't or can't avoid depression's grip. Another is that someone else might share a tool that works for them with us that we'd never thought of. And when it comes to battling depression, the more weapons we have, the better, right? Mm-hmm. And as is the case in today's episode, we can be reminded that we've actually forgotten about something we used to do that worked, but for whatever reason, we haven't accessed in a while. My that is journaling. I did it for years, and I know that it's really helpful for me. Yet, I haven't taken pen to paper to clear my head in who knows how long. So when we recently saw a post of a really unique journal page online, it stopped us in our tracks. What were we even looking at? Art? Scribbles? Words? We really couldn't tell. But it was beautiful, and right away we knew that whatever it was, it was significant. So we reached out to the person who posted the photo. Turns out, it is art. And scribbles. And words. And significant. As our guest, Gina Berry, will explain as she gives her voice to depression. Before we dive in, let me give you a little background about a journaling technique called morning pages. The practice from a book called The Artist's Way, which has been around for about 30 years, involves starting each day by writing three pages of stream of consciousness journaling. No editing, no attention to perfect word choice or grammar or penmanship. Just writing. Three pages. First thing every morning. As a way of clearing the slate for each new day. Gina makes that work by connecting or chaining the practice to another daily habit, something she learned in a different book. So you already have a habit in your life, like brushing your teeth. So when you brush your teeth, if you add a habit to the brushing the teeth, you will, you're more likely to do that habit. So for me, morning pages comes with a cup of coffee. Um, so I always get coffee in, even if it's 11 o'clock in the morning, I always get coffee in. And so I I chained morning pages with my coffee. And so when I sit down to have a cup of coffee, I'm writing my morning pages. And that's really like how I've built that habit into my life and a much needed time in my life. Is it fair or accurate or both to say that morning pages and journaling are part of your mental health toolkit? 
definitely. I love, I've watched several of your interviews and I love how you talk about it as a toolkit because I have a toolkit of things. I actually, my therapist had me do a big painting of all of the tools in my toolkit because I kept forgetting them. They weren't like readily available. And so I've, I've put sticky notes on my mirrors and just have readily available reminders of the things that I need to do to take care of myself. Tell me what getting it out and getting it on paper does for you. Um, I call it getting the ugly out. Like it's, it really is like getting all of the things and all of the hard stuff out of my brain and in a book. When I'm ruminating about something later on in the day, I can say, oh, I don't have to ruminate about that. It's, it's safely put away in this journal and I don't have to think about it anymore. It's, it's here. There's something about having a tangible representation and knowing that it's not in me anymore and it's in a safe place. It's like it's still in my brain, but it's not in my brain anymore. I don't have to hold on to it anymore. Gina knows the damage that holding dark thoughts can cause. She's been having them most of her life. Yeah, um, my mom tells the story that when I was eight years old, I told her that I didn't want to live anymore. And an eight-year-old saying that to mom, I can't even imagine. I have a 14-year-old daughter, so I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, Yeah, and I have a family history of it, too. My dad um, struggles with depression and... um, alcoholism and all that sort of stuff is very prevalent in my family. So I'm the lucky lottery winner of that. So So how does journaling help with that specifically, with depression? Is that the ugly you're getting out? But I think you're talking about life in general as well. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you talk about this in all of your podcasts of like the the ugly voices in your head that aren't real. I mean, they're real, but they're not true. I mean, I think it's just one of the tools for me. Journaling is one of the tools. It's been a huge tool in this last year um, with some really hard stuff that's been going on in my life. But I I have journaled hard stuff my whole life. Um, it, gives, it gives feelings the voice that they need without being judged by that voice, you know, I can talk about how I feel, but it's different than actually writing it down. There's something different in the way that that works for me anyway. But yeah, I feel like giving your feelings a voice helps them not just sit there because they keep, all those feelings will keep like repeating themselves until you acknowledge them and say, hey, I see you, I hear you. That is something for me with my depression. It's always been like the rumination and over and over and replaying and that kind of stuff. And later in the day or week or hour or minute when that voice, and, and I want to talk about the word voice in a minute, um, comes back and you, and you hear it, when you are able to say to yourself, no, I got that out, that's in the journal, does that actually make a difference in what's going on in your head? I mean, for sure, it's almost automatic that you just automatically think things. And if I can have the awareness to say, hey, I don't need to keep thinking these thoughts because they're already somewhere else, it can be the thing that stops that thought from 
continuing on for the next hour or day or later or week or month or whatever, you know, and, and there are times where my journal page may be the same thing day after day of the same, like ruminating sort of thing, but I can ruminate it about it for three full pages and then I can be done with it. Okay. So if, as you're listening, you're thinking, Oh, there is absolutely no way I would write down the stuff that's in my head. I'm not going to take a chance that somebody finds it and reads it. Gina gets it. And that's why she's our guest and not some other person who journals. Remember the three pages a day practice? Well, Gina writes her first page of thoughts. And then over that, on the same page, her second and third pages. If you're having trouble visualizing that, be sure to look at the photo with this episode. It is so worth it. I just wrote and then I turned it 90 degrees and I wrote um, over top of that. And then I turned it 90 degrees and I wrote again and you couldn't read what I had written. And it was just this like moment of like, oh, that's safe now. Nobody can read it. I can't even read it. It's safe that I wrote what I was feeling. And it it just, that just started. And I I filled a whole journal. It It took... This journal took a year to fill. (laughs) It's messy. You know, some of this is really messy and really like um, angry. And you can see like some of the anger in some of these pages Um, and really dark. I'll get really heavy handed. Um, And some days it's like tiny little writing over top of each other. Very like precise, but it's just a texture. It's no longer actual words. The end product is a textured tangle of illegible words and thoughts. For us, it's the visual representation of what a knotted mess our brains can be. For others, they see it as a symbol of white noise. Whatever it looks like to you, Gina assures it's a jumble that feels way better outside than still inside her mind. There is something about not being able to read what you wrote and to just be able to write what you're feeling. And I, I've always censored myself when I'm just writing a journal. I've always been a little bit in the back of my mind worried that somebody might see this or somebody might read it. And when I started writing over top of the journal pages, that completely changed. And I can literally say whatever it is that I'm thinking in a different way than I ever could before in any writing. And even with a therapist, like it it's somehow bigger than being able to talk to somebody about it. And literally filling the last page of this journal was like, I just sighed with this relief of like, wow, all of these pages and all of this pain and all of this grief is no longer in my body. It's here in this book and I can do what I want with it. Like I could destroy this. I could I could burn it and there would be something healing about burning journal pages. And I've done some burning of, of bad thoughts and it really is powerful to do that. But I can also paint over all these pages and I can add positive quotes and I can, I can turn literally the ugly things that I've been going through into something beautiful. And I love that idea. I love that metaphor of being able to, to take pain and make it better like physically actually make it better. Mm-hmm. When you said it can be easier to journal or that you can be more honest journaling, is that because there is no element of potential judgment? Yeah, for sure. 
I, I judge myself when I write in my journal, you know, I, I go back and reread some things and I'm like, how did I ever feel that way? Or how did I ever do that? And journaling where I write over top of it. I don't even know what I was writing at the time. I, I can't judge myself. I can't go back and judge it either. Um, that I think that's one of the problems with that nasty voice of depression is that it's judgmental. It judges us and we judge it. And, you know, when you don't, when you can't even judge your own writing, but you know, you wrote it out, it's kind of cool to be able to do that. Journaling in that creative, artistic, and effective way is just one of Gina's unique mental health management tools. Another that we don't hear very often is making a practice of conscious giving. Because when I'm in the depths of sad or struggling, if I can remember that there's something that I have to give, it's huge. And it's just being conscious of it. Like I can give my kid, I, I cooked dinner for her today and I'm being conscious that I'm cooking dinner for my kid and that's my gift to her for the day. It doesn't have to be some like big altruistic thing. It can just be this little thing. It's, it's about changing your mindset of I'm giving something today. I'm giving myself a shower today. I'm giving myself morning pages today. It's just that idea of giving something, whatever it is. One of the reasons we love that tool is that we know when we're in it. We absolutely believe that we have nothing of value to offer the world. It's one of depression's most dangerous go-to lies. So if we can shift, and like most tools, that might work best before we're in the pit, but if we can shift our mindset to consider every kindness that we offer another human or ourselves a gift, wow, there could be real and healing power in that. You mentioned other coping strategies. Let's shift to, to that. Um, in addition to journaling, what helps you? Do you do medication? Do you do therapy? Are those things you um, utilize? So I was on Prozac for a long time and then all sorts of other things. I think I was, I was on lithium for a while. I was on some pretty heavy-duty drugs. And then they tried Zoloft, and two weeks into that, I had a, an allergic reaction to it. And since then, I've really tried to stay away from medication just because of that reaction. I don't, I don't want to go there again. Um, I tend to stick with supplements and diet and um, really trying to concentrate on those things when I'm in the depths of depression, which are really hard tools to kind of make yourself do. Because when I'm sad, I want to eat carbs. And that's kind of the worst thing I can do. Um, my dog is a tool. Um, she gets me out of bed every morning. <laughs> she makes me go on walks every day. She's a big tool of, of helping me get out of the funk. Um, but yeah, so traditional therapy has been helpful to a certain extent, but just, just kind of having somebody remind me about using my tools and giving me tools to remember my tools has been helpful in that way. The bottom line, there are lots of tools out there, and we can modify any of them to make them fit and work better for us. There are tools that can help you, and don't give up until you find a tool that works for you. And that tool may not work down the line, but it may work today. And 
I think we've kind of re-remembered tools along the way and you re-remember things, um, you know, so keeping some sort of record of what's worked in the past to kind of call upon when you need it. Um, I love your idea of a toolbox, like literally having a toolbox of things with sticky notes of what works and what doesn't. It's a huge piece of the puzzle of, of reminders, like just needing a reminder, but you're not alone and that it does get better. Like I think when you're in the midst of it, it feels like it's going to be forever, but you were okay at one point in your life. And so you will be again, but it's not easy. I know those of us with depression can't always have good days, but there are things we can do to take care of ourselves. Perhaps that's a better question for us. Again, like Gina said, find what works for you and be ready with a backup if it stops working. And something um, else that we spoke with Gina about that we're actually going to save for a future episode. What specifically does your depression tell you about you? Our hypothesis is that if we asked a bunch of people that question and shared their answers, that we'd be able to see a very clear pattern. And maybe, just maybe, that would help us all in some way. And we would love to have your voices in that episode. So please help us out with this and help somebody else out with it. Go to our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And up in the upper left corner, you're going to see a big red button that says record a message. You can leave us an anonymous recording with just the answer to that question. What does your depression say about you to you? And we'll compile them for an episode in the new year. And wouldn't it be something, Terry, if, if our hypothesis is right, that basically it's telling us all the same things? Mm-hmm. I mean, how I just I, when I when I think of that reality... When I think of how oppressive and painful and powerful and mean that voice is, and if we can put, I, I, I literally see like a balloon with a sewing needle, you know, it, it has to take some air out of it. If we can, what's the opposite of disguise? If we can reveal mm-hmm. its sort of simplicity and, and uh, just pull that curtain back, I think it would be really fascinating. So we can't do this without you please reach out. It's anonymous. Just push the button. It doesn't have to take you long. And, and let's just see what, what reveals itself. It'd be fascinating. We thank you in advance for helping us with that. And we ask that you take care of yourselves and each other. Until next week. Bye. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.